Hello, Elwood City Limits listener. If you're listening to this, you're either listening to it early at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits, or you're listening to it on the free feed. But either way, really appreciate that you're taking the time, well, to find out what I've been hinting at. I've been hinting at this for the past couple of months, and it's time now to explain exactly how the Elwood City Limits Patreon is going to be changing very soon. I'm actually reading off of a script for this update because this one is pretty darn big, and I don't want to mince words about it. Over the past several months, Lucas and I have been discussing some changes that we want to make to the show, Elwood City Limits, and our current Patreon output, to keep it fun for both ourselves and for you. So let me explain how things will be going forward very soon. One thing that we both want to change is the coverage of Arthur on the podcast. So that's why our first big change is that Elwood City Limits is returning to a weekly schedule. Yep, a new ECL is going to come out nearly every week so that we can cover more of Arthur on the show, which is the reason we're all here in the first place. What this means for the Patreon content is that Elwood City Limits patrons will be getting the new ECL episode a week early as the primary form of exclusive content. This means that our previous schedule, which was ECL and For the Kids on alternating weeks, is going to be ending after episode 50. This also means that we are going to be taking a pause on For the Kids as a regular series. We have very much enjoyed doing the show up to episode 50, but the two of us want to try out a new idea while still making time for FTK here and there. However, early access episodes won't be the only exclusive Patreon content going forward. At the end of each month on our Patreon, we will have an exclusive podcast episode that will alternate between two different themes. The first of those themes will be a new episode of For the Kids. And this time, we're taking suggestions directly from our patrons on the shows they want us to cover the most. I'm going to set up a website so you can submit your suggestions, and the most requested episodes will be part of the new crop of For the Kids episodes. We want to start listening to you for what you want to hear on FTK. So keep an eye out, patrons, for that suggestion box, website kind of thing, and you'll be able to submit suggestions very soon. The second show, the second new piece of content, is an all-new concept that will allow us to talk about shows from outside the PBS Kids spectrum, and many that we've mentioned many times over the, over the many years we've been doing this. We're calling this show ECL Origins, and it's all about the cartoons on YTV, Fox Kids, CBC, and all across the Canadian TV dial that we loved as kids. So we're going to be talking about shows that we've mentioned again and again on the show, like Sticking Around, Beast Wars, Yvonne of the Yukon, and more. We're really pumped to get started on this one, and we think you're going to have fun with the direction we take on this new show. So again, new episodes of both For the Kids and ECL Origins will be released once a month, with a preview going up on the free feed the week after, so we can keep to our new ECL schedule as well. We're likely going to alternate between For the Kids and ECL Origins every month. Above all, we want to make sure that you're getting audio content that you're enjoying. As always, you can feel free to edit or cancel your subscription if this isn't what you want from us, but we think you're really going to like what we have in store. Lucas and I are still having a lot of fun talking about Arthur and with y'all on social media, Discord, and through the emails. As I've mentioned before, there is 
a reasonable chance that we may not end up covering every single episode of Arthur there ever was before the unpredictable circumstances of life may end up calling us away to focus on other things. Until then, we want to cut a faster clip through the main Arthur series while still taking time to talk about the cartoons we loved and that got us to this point. So, to sum it up, new Elwood City Limits episode every week on the free feed. Patrons, you get that new episode a week early, plus one exclusive monthly episode of either For the Kids or ECL Origins. And of course, thank you for even allowing us to get to this point. We're still doing this podcast seven years later because it's been a blast. And a lot of that is all thanks to your listenership, your messages, your encouragement, and your love of Arthur and animation. Whether you are or have been a patron, or if you listen on the free feed, thank you so much for keeping us going for this long. This new schedule will start in January, with the first ECL episode of 2023 being Patreon-exclusive for a week before it's dropped in the free feed and the new schedule begins. As a holiday treat, Lucas and I have released the first episode of ECL Origins today on our Patreon, where we're talking about a show that's very near and dear to both of us, SpongeBob SquarePants. If the new Patreon interests you, or if you need a little bit more convincing, stick around for an extended preview of our SpongeBob discussion. And if you like what you hear, sign up at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. More free feed content is on the way in the next couple of weeks, including a full-length Christmas commentary track and a piece of Patreon content from November. Plus, be on the lookout for our next Twitch stream, hopefully coming soon, at twitch.tv slash elwoodcitylimitspod. Until then, hope you enjoyed this preview of the first episode of ECL Origins, and we'll see you again real soon. I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, we'll see you next time on Elwood City Limits. So this, so this, as you mentioned, was kind of like for a time when this would have been airing. Kind of, we were probably prime demographics. This, yeah. so you, this was definitely your favorite show at some point in your life. Absolutely, it was like. You know, my parents' favorite show that I watched was Arthur, and Arthur was a big one, but Arthur, as much as I enjoyed it, and I always found it really stimulating as a child, Mm -hmm. it didn't make me laugh the way Spongebob would make me laugh. Right. Yeah, of course. I think in terms of comedy, um, and comedy is something I I enjoy to this day, comedic programming, and I I think (laughs) I have a pretty specific sense of humor, too. Like, not everything that is popular and and comedic is is necessarily my cup of tea, but there was something really foundational in SpongeBob, and what's funny is that, you know, looking into it a little bit to prepare for this episode and just kind of reminding myself, because I've been interested in this topic, too about, you know, where does Spongebob come from? It's not necessarily wholly original, right? There's a little, there's absolutely like a Ren and Stimpy DNA in there. Um, there's uh, a bunch of Jerry Lewis, believe it or not, is in yeah. the DNA of Spongebob. That's actually the inspiration for the Spongebob character. So there's these classic kind of comedic archetypes and classic comedic stylings, but there's is also SpongeBob itself was a total shift. I feel like for cartoons and the way cartoons were like, if you look at a cartoon today, I think you know the next generation of this kind of stuff might be like Gumball, right? Amazing World of Gumball, yeah, totally, which is yeah. after both your time and after my time. Um, but when I've watched it, it's like you know SpongeBob. If the if if the kids watching SpongeBob never took their Adderall, that's Gumball, right? It's like another level of hyperactivity. It's like SpongeBob for the TikTok generation. Sure. Um, but SpongeBob kind of started on that train. How it was, 
you know, hyperactive. It was loud. It was in your face in more ways than one. Um, it's kinetic. Um, but you could tell, and going back and watching these episodes, we watched a couple episodes today to refresh our memories. It's also incredibly well thought out and structured. At least these early seasons are. I know people, SpongeBob is still continuing, right? Or it's ended, but now there's like spinoff series. And I think post the creator's death, and also once we got more and more into like modern animation ages, I can't speak to that era of SpongeBob SquarePants, but the, these first like six seasons or whatever is primarily where my SpongeBob affinity lies. You can kind of tell, as with a lot of like animated uh, comedy shows, um, like when the animation quality becomes a certain way, then mm. then you kind of realize when it stops looking familiar to you. Like when I was looking up an image like of just a general like SpongeBob promotional image to use for the um, the image for this show, like you can tell that after a while. It, it, it's like when they made Spongebob look especially like smiley and rosy cheeked and like the animation reached like a new level of quality yeah. that was just like, okay, so that was for people who were kids when I was in my 20s, essentially. Um, so yeah, just to give a little anchoring point here for everybody, because this is a new show and we're kind of still testing out what we want it to be, but it is something that is all about talking about the shows that we watched besides Arthur, besides PBS Kids, when we were little that don't fit into those categories. So whether it was on YTV, whether it was on CBC, whether it was on any other, uh, like Fox Kids, any other channel that we might have had. And SpongeBob is one that fits for both of us. So mine is a little bit different. So I was looking this up. The premiere date of SpongeBob is... Um, for us, would have been the year 2000 is when it started airing on YTV. It, as you mentioned, started in 1999, was created by uh, Steven Hillenberg. Again, as you mentioned, he has passed away a couple of years ago. He was also the creator of Rocco's Modern Life, the uh, the cartoon mm -hmm. from the early 90s. Um, but, but in the years following SpongeBob, it's like his whole life, basically, his whole professional life became about SpongeBob. And, I mean, for good reason. The, one of the things that I wanted to steer away from or not steer away from but like de-emphasize in this series is that unlike for the kids or Elwood City Limits to a to a degree you know I didn't want to focus as much on like the history and yeah. the 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 matter of the making of the show because especially when we're talking about something like SpongeBob I guarantee you there is if not a podcast then a YouTube video or yeah. like a documentary all its own that will cover the making of this type of show way better than I can. So it's not about, you know, the factual, like what happened, how did SpongeBob come to be? It's really how we, how exactly. we came to something that was so important because at this point, you know, SpongeBob, like SpongeBob had a theatrical movie come out like what last year. Um, and that was right. like, that was like the second or third theatrical movie. Third, third one. That's the one with the Krabby step. So I know you haven't seen oh, that one, Will, cause you okay. would have been familiar with the Krabby step. Gotcha. Um, it's had it's had like a Broadway musical merchandise on every on every single form that you can think of. Um, so it's interesting. I I think that I don't have a strong memory of like watching it for the first time because mm. in the year two thousand I would have been ten years old. So I was born in nineteen ninety. Um, I think at that time I was really interested more in like serialized animation. And mm. and especially mm. a action heavy shows. Yeah. So that's not to say that I wasn't watching anything like comedic or goofy or anything like that. But 
what really had me interested was like, you know, I was still a fan of Power Rangers. I really liked Beast Wars, like all of those type of, especially like CG animation. So I don't know if something like SpongeBob would have immediately appealed to me, especially because its initial identity was like, I want to say it felt like maybe not a successor to something like Ren and Stimpy, but like, very, you know, it's the the Nickelodeon branding. Of course, our, right. our our American listeners like this is you know the longest running Nickelodeon show of all time, and we didn't really, you, Lucas, you and I didn't really have Nickelodeon over here unless we had like the specialty channel, like the specialty cable, which I never did. So it was very much like this is part of YTV's presentation, and so you know, I'm ten years old. I'm probably like catching some episodes, but I remember when I was a teenager in the mid two thousands. And SpongeBob repeats were on a lot as well as, you know, new seasons were premiering. And it, I really came to better understand, like, as I was beginning to appreciate shows like The Simpsons, like I was finally yeah. able to watch The Simpsons when I was a teenager or watch Family Guy. But I would also watch SpongeBob and I would find it just as funny, mm-hmm. if not funnier sometimes. And realizing that, like, even though this is a show that is aimed at children, this is still like objectively funny no matter what your age is. And I realized that like that, that that's, you know, I, I, this is a small moment of realizing that animation can be, can have a service to any age group. Right. Even if it is something, even if animation is a medium that is typically marketed to children. Like I yeah. was watching, you know, when I was 16, I would watch an episode of SpongeBob and, you know, crack myself up. It's, and I still do like watching the episodes we did today. It's still really, really funny. And I, of course I'm talking about the older seasons. I can't really speak to, uh, it, I was never a regular follower yeah. of SpongeBob. So I couldn't tell you exactly when I stopped watching or like paying did, attention to it. Did you see it. the movie, the first movie in theaters? So yeah, that's, that's, that's that was originally intended to be the series finale, but yeah. then it was making too much money. So they kept going. But do, do you remember? Cause I remember again, 2004 at that point i'm already a been a spongebob head for multiple years i remember like i had the i think the first season on dvd and my parents Mm. used to have this minivan with you know know the minivans that had the little tv in the back yes yeah Um, yeah yeah. and that's where that dvd lived right so we'd be watching you know the crusty crab pizza episode where they're delivering pizzas awesome uh, episode uh, you know on the drive out to the, the the campground or whatever if we're going on a family trip or something so we really watched those that first season to death and so yeah at that point 2004 you know we're we're about three seasons in four seasons in uh i was massively excited for the movie i couldn't wait for it um, and it's really held up. That movie's, uh, you know, the other two movies less so. I've seen all those movies in one way or another. <laughs> Not on okay. purpose, I swear. Those last two <laughs> movies, like, it was like, oh, people are already going, you want to come to this, or, or I'm going with someone's kid, like, sure. babysitting or whatever. Um, those last two movies are really indicative of just kind of how weird and kind of uh, the, the the humor and vibe of SpongeBob have shifted in its, in its later uh, sunsetting years. But I think that first movie, you know, it's it's kind of a direct riff on Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is a movie I love, mm-hmm. um, and it does it really well. 
Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast, Instagram, at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be right on the show elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now, back to the show. I think the first movie was probably like, you know, after that, when I was a teenager, I was probably like watching, like, that's when I started, like, discovered, like, HBO on DVD and stuff like that. So I like, mm, mm. but definitely went to see that. You had the- moved on to Oz. <laughs> Don't worry, SpongeBob for I, you. I literally did. Like, I borrowed Oz <laughs> from the library when I was, like, 16. And then it, I was it, like, oh, this is okay. This is awesome. It's funny. Uh, when you're talking about appreciating it as a teenager, I know this isn't you. But I was like, if this is a different person, it's like, yeah, you started to appreciate it when you were a teenager because you started smoking weed. <laughs> and you're like, oh, SpongeBob hits different. <laughs> Prob- probably it does. But I, I can't. I can't speak to it like that. Um, but yeah, I, I saw the movie in theaters. I would have been about like 14, 13 or 14. And it was and like, I still have fond memories of that movie. Like there are parts of it that are still very funny. Yeah. And David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's how and, I learned who that was. <laughs> that's funny. But then, but then, yeah, just like not paying attention to the newer stuff. It, uh, not for any particular reason. I And so it's a little bit harder for me to say, like, because I was very much like a bit of a, bit of a floater in terms of like my interest in spongebob what about what about you like when did it kind of stop being your like your one of your favorite shows or when did you kind of like eject like soft eject from it you know what i mean so you actually very similar trajectory as you probably around the time i I became 13 14 and then mm-hmm. I started watching anime, and I was like, whoa, there's, like, blood and swearing and, and <laughs> fighting in these shows, and there's a continuous storyline, and the characters get older and grow and change, and, you know, once I saw Naruto, it was all over from there, uh, and I didn't sure. want to watch anything else. And so that's probably when me and SpongeBob started to draw apart, and so that probably would have been around, I, I might have stuck around for two years after the movie, so around, like, 2006, 2007-ish is when I started to maybe grow out of SpongeBob so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, the, the movie I remember feeling like a really big deal when it first came out. Did you... So we got to get into talking about these memes and kind of how SpongeBob has lived on and, and gained new life as, as the people who are our exact age kind of... Um, have given breathed new life into it by recontextualizing some of these classic moments. Do you have moments like memories of SpongeBob from your childhood that really stick out to you? Like, is there specific jokes uh, uh, that like really stick out in your head that you're like, wow, that was so funny or so clever at the time? So this this was what um, this was what made this so difficult in terms of picking the episode that I wanted to to bring to the table because you right away you had an idea and I think that your idea was great, but I really waffled between three or four different ones because 
there's just so many. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me, for me, it was um, freak. Like, it, like I, I don't want to sit here and name all the references, but one of the ones I almost picked was uh, it's called Just One Bite, and that's the the episode where Squidward tries a Krabby Patty for the first time. That's also where right. the like SpongeBob doing the like. Uh, knowing smile meme came from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorites not it, because first of all it makes me hungry for a cheeseburger every time i watch it it's it makes oh the crab, yeah it makes the krabby patty look so appealing but it's also like we've all wanted a krabby patty like that's like a universe you know it, it's like yeah. how you've always wanted to try duff beer you've always wanted to um you know secretly you want to know what's in a scooby snack right there's these these oh yeah cultural touchstones and that was another one was like oh man i wish the crusty crab i have to go to is it in israel or is it in palestine i guess well <laughs> controversial subject but it's where is the there's a weird crusty crab in the middle east just a second where it's like they built the crusty crab yeah i bet they did I'm, I'm like i'm actually surprised that like they don't do it as like a pop-up because they do that for um the like sometimes they do the simpsons quickie mart pop-up sometimes you can get like the the like the donuts or you can get a squishy and stuff like that so i'm surprised they don't oh. do that for the crusty crab it's in palestine will here i'm going to send you this link on skype okay uh to see the crusty crab i don't think they have the permission to do this but you know probably not all all the best to them inshallah um but yeah no um i always wanted a crabby patty and i always liked it's funny cuz as a kid you know, I, I one of the here's the getting into the characters as a as a kid, you always identify more with SpongeBob because he is kind of just a a, chi- a man child, right? Yes. They they always play with how old is he? You know, he doesn't have his driver's license, and he has this very childish, earnest, you know, that Jerry Lewis like happy go lucky mentality. He's bright eyed, bushy tailed, ignorant to the evils and the ills of the world. He's so innocent. And there's also um, a lot of, there's also like not everything is known about him. And not, it's just like he's not, you know, his name is SpongeBob and they use he him pronouns, but it's just like yeah. he's also a sponge. So yeah. he's kind of genderless. He they, yeah. they play around with his sexuality in tiny ways here and there. It's just kind of he's just kind of is he but, is but who he is. As a kid, you always identify more with SpongeBob. But sure. then as, as people grow up, they identify more with Squidward. Because mm-hmm, Squidward yeah. is, is kind of – has a much more of an adult perspective. You know, he's much more aware of the way the world works and what's going on. And there's this glee – like, such a big component of SpongeBob is working at the Krusty Krab. And as a kid, you're like, that's awesome. Like, there's a reason there's, like, children's play sets that are like, oh, mm-hmm. burger restaurant. You know what I mean? But as an adult, you know that working at, like, fast food is horrible and soul-crushing and terrible. And so <laughs> it's funny how – um, SpongeBob can encapsulate both of those truths at the same time, right? You see the yeah. childlike wonder in SpongeBob. He loves his job. He loves the Krusty Krab, and you get to enjoy that with him. But at the same, it still rings true and real because it's contrasted with Squidward's reality, which is that he hates his job. He hates the Krusty Krab, and his neighbors are so annoying and won't let him be, and he just wants peace and quiet like all of us adults do. So. Well- and Squidward is the vessel for like the dry humor where and this is where like he's one of the sources where you come to realize like, oh, actually, this show is quite clever. Now, SpongeBob and Patrick, they do have some like good lines here and there, but like the real kind of dry, ironic, over the heads of kids humor is often in the mouth of Squidward mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because he is that perennial straight man. And the, like a lot of the episodes that I was thinking about and the ones that like I, I really treasure are squidward focused episodes right. like just one bite 
Um, the episode, the really early episode where they learn how to blow bubbles, like a lot of the, that's, a lot of that's that is the that, first episode, isn't it? Or it's not the it pilot, might, it, but it's like, it might be like, it might've been one of the first like, ones, might've been, been one of the first ones to air, but it's like, that's at Squidward's expense or like the one where he pretends to be dead and gets SpongeBob to do all of these like, uh, chores for him. Like, again, it's very Squidward focused. A lot of the ones that I think of as my favorites, um, I'm also a huge, like, I'm also a huge fan of Mr. Krabs. And I think oh. a lot of that is, has to do with, so like, Big time. One of the things that may, that makes the humor work, I think, is like the writing is fantastic. Is fantastic usually, and the visuals. It's incredibly cartoony, and the expressions are great. And that, that's why we still see, like, you know, handsome Squidward. We still see that meme used today, and all of these other really um, expressive illustrations. But the cast is a huge part of that, too. And, like, I, I didn't want to, you know, I don't have, again, I, this is a bit more casual. I don't have the cast credits here. But it's, like, people like Tom Kenny, Clancy Brown as Mr. Krabs. Like, this is this is why I ended up settling on the episode that I did. Because that has, like, it's not Clancy Brown at his wildest as Mr. Krabs. But it is just a great episode of, a great instance, example, of, like, these people that they got on this cast are so good at pushing their voices to the absolute limits and using like the fullest extent of their voice talent oh, yeah. in order to get every possible read out of something. So, and again, like Clancy Brown, like a, like a, a guy who's known for stuff like from the Highlander and like all of these other, like still working today in live action, but he's also the voice of this, this uh, greedy crab, you know, Roger Bumpus is, Squidward, uh, Mr. Lawrence as Plankton, Bill Fagerback as Patrick. And it's like all of these people for like one way or another are like live action actors that you can see in stuff and you can even hear the characters voices coming out of their mouths when you watch them in something. But th but then it's it's just like they're also at their absolute wildest and over the top here. And it, it usually really, really works. It's all this beautiful package of all these elements coming together to make all of these great SpongeBob episodes. And I don't want to discount any of the newer ones. It's just that I haven't seen many of them. And a lot of my favorite memories of the show are from the first, like you said, first uh, four to six seasons. And that's why it's ECL or our origins, Will. It's about our experiences, not anybody exactly. else's. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, so I'm learning now, just looking this up, that Mr. Krabs is supposed to have a main accent, like a heavy uh, mm, main accent. Okay. But, that's uh, funny. I have my friends who grew up in Newfoundland. They always thought that Mr. Krabs was a Newfoundlander. Really? They, they thought he talked like people from rural Newfoundland. And so that was a perspective I didn't learn until I, I met people from Newfoundland. And I was like, oh, that's funny. The, uh, but yeah, Mr. Krabs, again, another classic example. As as a kid, I kind of always saw him as an antagonist. Like, he was greedy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't like him. As an adult, by, like top two character like one of the funniest characters of the show just because as an adult you're able to appreciate his maliciousness and his greed so much more like it's <laughs> he's so cartoonishly greedy um to the extent that like you would feel like nobody on earth could conceivably be this greedy like often to his own uh it, it's his own demise his greed because he'll he'll do all these ridiculous things for a small 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 amount of money um and that's what makes the character so funny. And one of my favorite Mr. Krabs episodes is the one where he falls in love with Mrs. Puff. And that doesn't necessarily play on his greed, but it's all of these like wild takes of Clancy Brown in the studio having to go like, Dye! 
<laughs> it's just so funny and like mm. more so than like the way he's animated it's just like that voice makes him like Tom, it's not spongebob it's not tom kenny and that's why you know the more i think about it the more i'm just like this is the simpsons for the generation that was born like like obviously you and you and i have uh, a love for certain eras of the simpsons but i would yes. say like you know, I was born in 1990, Simpsons premiered in 1989, and I kind of grew up with this as a, as a cultural stable. And I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, like your age bracket and like a little bit below, I feel like SpongeBob is your Simpsons in yeah, that sense. I, I, I agree. And definitely in the same way that there's like a golden years to the Simpsons, and I think there is a golden sure. years to SpongeBob. Like the memes that people post from SpongeBob are all from the same era, right? Yes, yeah. Um, but something while we're comparing them, because they are similar shows in that Simpsons often does the same thing as SpongeBob, is that the plot, they, they do will have a, a, a three-act you know three act plot to kind of cage the episode, but really it's all in service of like the beat-by-beat, beat, very newspaper strip style, what's the visual gag in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they really make the use of animation as opposed to a sitcom um, as a storytelling medium by using visual humor just as much as they do um, written humor. But something that separates SpongeBob from The Simpsons is that I think SpongeBob is a really visually, you know, The Simpsons has a look to it, but it's very consistent. SpongeBob is such a creative looking show in terms of like you have your standard SpongeBob characters and they don't often go off character with the way they're drawn or with the way they look. But every once in a while, SpongeBob will do the Rem and Stippy thing where it's like, oh, we're going to have this one frame be painted. And it's going to be hyper detailed because it's in service of the visual gag. Um, or we are, you know, one of the episodes we watched today in Band Geeks, this background is just going to be live action. Just because isn't that funny that it's like mm-hmm. live action and we're seeing real people. You know, SpongeBob would play with those. And this is something that has continued on into later shows like something like, again, Gumball, which I feel like is like the, the successor, the next level to SpongeBob for people who are way younger than us. Gumball is a total mixed media presentation. It combines live action with CGI, with hand-drawn animation, with flash animation. Like, there's no kind of standard look to that show. They're throwing it all in, but they somehow still let it look cohesive. And SpongeBob's kind of the beginnings of that, with the way there's painted backgrounds, but we still have the kind of digital animation. And then every once in a while where they they make these almost terrifying or or grotesque, hyper-detailed frames that you see Mm -hmm. around. The one one in the... The episode with the with the butterfly always always used to scare scare me or creep me out when I was younger because or of that because of that same idea. One one I think about talking about memories of SpongeBob that come up over and over again. I love the memes where people talk about how uh, ve- vegan burgers look like the burger from SpongeBob, the Krabby Patty that killed the health inspector. Oh, that's one where if you look up the image of the Krabby Patty with like, with like the warts on it and yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so gross. So. Yeah, we wanted to we wanted to come to this with talking about essentially two episodes, one of one chosen by each of us that we really really liked. And as I said, for me, it was quite difficult. And I'm sure that Lucas, you had a little bit of thing to do as well. But I'm really glad that you picked this one because it's just probably like it's probably the SpongeBob episode.